Well, good morning again, everyone. Good morning. We're going to get into the Word of God together, yes, although the Word of God has been very present already, am I right? Um, man, the testimonies, the worship, gosh, so good. So good to see you all, um, new faces and old, um, just so joyful this morning when you all are coming in. It just felt like family. Uh, we've got several folks out of town, people on anniversary vacations. It's still summer, all the things. Um, but I'm glad that we are here together. Amen? Um, so there was a little storm. Did you guys all weather the storm okay? Everybody's good? Uh, we're still without power at my house. Um, so my daughter declared we are living in an olden times um, this week. <laughs> You know, we're trying to figure out how to do food and life with no electricity. It's pretty wild. Um, but thank God for friends who bring over small generators so our food and sump pump are still alive. Uh, just in time. Praise God. Um, but it makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, storms and losing power. and um, It's good to have moments to take stock of where things are at. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of that today as we look at the Word. Um, it's also cool, um, for those of you who have been around uh, through the summer months, we did something different, and I just kind of opened the door um, as we were coming to the summer, because we have so many gifted people, um, and even just, the truth is, every believer can hear from God. Every believer is called to uh, speak the word of God. Not everyone has to get in on a platform, but everyone should, should have knowledge of the Bible, and everyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit can get revelation of the word. And so um, I open up the door and just to a lot of people who we know have been used in an upfront gift to speak this summer and just lined them up. And we said, they're like, is there a series? What are we talking about? No, no series. Whatever the Lord puts in your heart. And uh, so we've had several different people speaking over the last several weeks, and it's been super fun. The messages have been so good. Kevin comes to me last week when we're kind of wrapping up. He goes, you know, there's been a theme. I know there was no theme. There was no sermon series. He's like, yeah, there has. There has. Lord's been knitting something together. And uh, we started talking about it. I looked back over the last couple weeks. I'm like, yeah. God really put something together uh, these summer months. And uh, I would simply put it this. I would call it centering Jesus. If you've heard that term, a lot of people use today, um, just about what's being, uh, what's the focal point of what we're thinking about or speaking. They'll say, well, if you center such and such, then you get this different perspective. Well, for us as believers, we want to center Jesus. We have to put Jesus at the center, and that's, that's obvious, right? But the messages we've had started with the importance in God's uh, desire that we know him. That was how we kicked off the summer series, um, that the most important thing in God's heart is the first commandment, that we would love him, that we would respond to him in relationship. Then we went to that from um, talking about the Holy Spirit. Marvin brought a message about the Holy Spirit and how we depend on him. We live with him, acknowledging him. Then we had a message um, from Kevin. I'm getting this out of order, but Kevin talking about when we're called to live by faith, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus when we step out of the boat. And if you didn't hear all these or you're new here, get on our website, hear them all. Just go hear them all. Put on your headphones this week and hear them all. You will be blessed. And Cindy talked to us about the tabernacle of J David, which centers the presence of Jesus putting him at the center of our attention, our focus, even our resources. It's all been about centering Jesus. And then last week, Sandy opened up Psalm 92 for us. We're talking about it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Um, such a good message. For what? His work, 
and his works. Uh, so good. So centering what? What Jesus has done and what he is doing. So centering Jesus. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today because uh, it's all about him and it should be. Amen? Am I talking to the right people? Uh, Jesus? We like Jesus. Okay. All right. Good, good. Just checking. Just making sure. It's not going to go very well if we don't, we don't believe that. Um, we're going to do something a little different today in that we're going to look at a whole, well, actually, Sandy did this actually. We're going to look at a whole chapter of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. And if you have a Bible, I'd like you to open it up and follow along. If you use your device, get out your phone, your iPad, whatever. Um, we'll also put, oh, and the, the lighting is really killing our, our PowerPoints, but we'll have the words up here as well um, that you can follow along. And um, as we do, we're going to read pretty much the whole chapter. And I, I only preface it to say that because that's actually not very common in church in the USA in 21st century. It's just not common to read a whole big chunk of text. And we're pretty much just going to read almost the whole chapter. So I want you prepared for that. It's a great thing to do. Um, in fact, it's actually a very early church sort of thing to do. Um, if you didn't know, like most of these New Testament works that we read, especially the epistles, um, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, you know what I'm talking about, Galatians, the way those were done were written by the apostolic leaders and they were sent to the churches and a, a reader or a leader would take that, that text to a church, oftentimes meeting in a home, and they would just read the whole letter. But, but also those readers, those leaders were empowered to uh, ex, uh, explain. They're, they're empowered to answer questions. They were, they were able to interact with and exposit the text from the apostolic leader, but it was interactive. So I'm going to invite you to be interacting with this as we read it, because I'm going to mostly read it. I'm going to make a couple comments, but I want you to be listening. I want you to be pondering. I want you to be reflecting, asking the Lord to give you revelation, and you may have something to contribute. That's so weird, right? You're supposed to just come into church, sit and be quiet, right? And that's fine if you do. You don't have to contribute something. We don't want to be here for hours. Paul preached so long, somebody fell out of the, the window dead. Um, but we don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but the Word of God, it's living and active. Amen? And, and as we come together like this, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered into my name, I am with them. And so I exercise this thing, um, this practice, and we're not going to have a lot of time today anyway. We've already gone long. But I, I just want to encourage your heart. Um, I exercise this practice with what we do with the House of Prayer. We have an internship every summer. And I, and I explained to them what I learned from our good friend, Dennis Moore, Sandy's husband, who's with Jesus now. He said there was this Hebrew term that the, the ancients would have understood and would have connected to even Jesus saying, when two or three gather in my name, I'm in the midst. There was this Hebrew, Hebrew term, this idea of what's called Kavanaugh. And the idea was that wherever anyone was, say they were in the synagogue or under a palm tree somewhere or in their home, if two or three people were talking about God's word, the Torah at the time, that when we speak of him and speak of him, his word, he's there. That we're literally in his presence. And that he's active in our conversation. That we may be discussing one to another, but God's speaking to us through us. It's Kavanaugh. And so I encourage our interns with this. And then we go through um, really the whole book of Revelation, but other parts of the Bible as well. And so I said, this is what we're going to do when we come together for our internship class. I'm not teaching. I said, I'm leading this time, but, I, but I'm not teaching. 
You're going to do your homework. You're going to read the passages. I'm going to ask a couple questions. And if anyone else has a question, I'm not answering it. And I just like make them talk through the word of God. And as we do, like there's four or five of us in the group every week, as we do, there'd be these moments where like, oh my gosh, I never thought of X, Y, Z. And everyone in the group goes, you know, because what? God, God just spoke in the midst of it. Nobody had to be taught. Nobody had to plan it out. We just expected that when we opened up the words of God, God would be speaking and he was. And every year when I do this with, with the interns, I, I, there will be moments, multiple. I almost turn into a broken record. I'm like, I can honestly say in 10 years of doing this internship, no one's ever said that before. I've never heard that. That, that is new to me. And I've gone through this 10 times. Uh, so it's God. It's God speaking. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. Take about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. See how much we can get through of it. Um, but I, I also want to say, though, um, and invite you in seriousness um, to pray, because I do believe this is a word from the Lord for now. Um, I do believe that centering Jesus is just like, oh, that's nice. We believe in Jesus. Put Jesus in the center. No, I believe we're in a moment of our lives, personally, but globally, where there's a lot of shaking. And if you uh, listen to some of the global prophetic voices, they're actually giving warnings of shaking coming. What do you do when there's shaking? Center your life on Jesus. And Hebrews 12 is such an amazing text for that today. And that's why I want you to read it. I want you to be uh, ingesting it because there's so much in it. And there's going to be something the Lord's going to highlight that's for you for this season ahead. And uh, specifically, people are talking about the, the months of September, October, and November. So uh, let's believe that, that if we center on Jesus, we'll be centered on him. And when everything is shaken, you know what's not? Him. We'll be fine. We'll be good. We'll be grateful. We'll be joyful. Let's pray as we get into the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living, that it's active. Thank you that you are here in our midst right now, um, that you are here to strengthen, to bring new life to us, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, with boldness and with power, uh, and to prepare us for things we may know and things we may not know. You know it all, Jesus, and you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lead us uh, into knowing you and walking with you. Root us and ground us in you. And Jesus, would you center every person in this room, online, listening to my voice, on you, Jesus, in a way that we will not be shaken. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys ready to read some of this? Hebrews chapter 12. I think I'm reading the NIV um, here on my iPad. Up here on the screen is the same. And we're just gonna do chunks at a time. So I'm gonna read a, uh, a section I'll make some comments, and I'll pause. Shout out if you have something in the pause. If nobody shouts out, we'll just keep going. Hebrews chapter 12, here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, talking about all the people of faith is what Hebrews 12, 11 was about. Talked about, you know, the line from Adam, Abraham, all the way to Jesus. People of faith who've come before us, who are now cheering us on. Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us, this is about us, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're going to stop there. All right, so we're a part of a lineage of faith, a testimony of faith, a story of faith that began at creation, continues to this day, which Jesus is authoring in us and through us. And he begins by saying, since we're a part of something so amazing, here's what you need to do. Throw off everything that hinders you. Throw off every weight that hinders you. How many of you have felt weighed down ever? Maybe not. What's your instruction? Throw it off. And the sin that so easily entangles. And I want to say both matter. Sin really matters. And when sin is present in your life, you need to be vigilant to kick it out. To fight against it. By the grace of God, say no. Kick out sin. But the sin is not the only thing that weighs us down. Do you know that? There's all kinds of things. It's the worries of life. The ways that sound, the opinions of others, conflicts we have, work stresses, all of it raise us down. And, and the instruction of God in the season we're living in, in our generation, in the story of history, is shake it all off. Why? Because you're supposed to run. Have you ever seen a marathoner? It's not a sprint, by the way. It's a marathon we're running. They, they cannot carry anything, and they're pretty light fellas. <laughs> there's no, no excess weight, and this isn't a comment about your physical health, um, but you can't have any excess weight if you're going to run on the race to win. Is this making sense? So throw off everything that weighs you down, everything that hinders you because you're meant to run. Who's going to carry the weight? Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Everything that weighs you down is not meant for you. It's meant for you to hand over to him. Moment by moment, day by day, I feel weighed down. What am I going to do? I'm going to give it to the Lord. Cast it on the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then, don't take it back. Everything weighing you down right now, you can do that right now. Right now in your heart. This is bothering me. This is weighing down. I, I don't feel like I can run. Give it to Jesus right now. He cares for you. He carries the weight for you. You know who's meant to carry it? Him. He's really strong. He's really powerful. He can take care of it, and he can take care of you. you got to throw it off because you're meant to run. You're meant to persevere, and you can't persevere and run with weights. And as you cast them off, and as you run this race of faith to win, what are you doing, according to this passage? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. What does that mean? Think about him. Talk about him. Talk to him. Find out what he's like and make him your meditation. Fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what we've been doing all summer. We fix our eyes on, what does a, a marathoner, what does a runner do? They've got their eyes fixed on the prize. They're, they're fixed on the finish. Their goal is to get there. What's the prize? Jesus. When we run the race, what we get at the end is him, and he is the best reward. Having him, knowing him, being with him is the best reward. If you don't believe that, I don't know why you believe. Jesus is the prize. It's not prosperity. It's not favor. It's not just good times. It's not just happy feelings. Jesus is the prize. You know why? All those other things pass away. The one thing you get to keep forever is your relationship with him. And that's why in the story of the, the gospels, when Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, it seemed like such a waste. There are so many good things to do. And Martha's like, Jesus, she's not helping me out. And she said, no. 
She chose the best thing, and it will not be taken from her. And that's an eternal message. He even said, this story is going to be told forever because this is our story. There will always be things to do, not bad things, things that we have to do. But there are times and moments and seasons to prioritize and understand that the prize of life, not just now, but even after you die and for eternity, will be him. And it's the one thing that won't be taken. Your job, your family won't even be married in the, in the coming age. I, I don't understand it. But, and all those things matter. They matter now. But the one thing that will never be taken from you is your intimacy with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one writing the story, the author. He's the author of the story. He's writing his story in and through us. And he started with Adam. And they hit up Abraham and David and all the people in between. And all the prophets, and they're all people he's writing the story through, and included in that number is you. He wrote you into the story. You have a part to play in the author's story. He's writing the story, and he will finish it. He will bring it to completion, and that's really good to know. Why, does, why is the Holy Spirit, through this author of Hebrews, we don't actually know who wrote it, um, reminding us that we're part of such a lineage of faith as well? Chapter before explains this. We don't always know. What's happening when we're walking our life of faith, individually and corporately? You're here for, you know, 30, 50, 70, 80, 100 years, however long you're here. But within that time, there's so many times, like, is this it? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, how, how do I know I'm going to make it? Well, look at the ones who've gone before. Because they, they felt the same. Abraham got this amazing vision from God, a word from God. There's a city that God's going to build. You're going to be the dad. You don't have any kids. You can't have any kids. <laughs> By the time he dies, he has one, maybe another, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen that way. Um, the, the end of the story didn't come in his lifetime, but we can look back and say, hey, we're here. Abraham's the father of our faith. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm a child of God. It worked. And so we can be in the middle of our mess right now, like, is this working? Are you got your eyes on Jesus? Are you doing your best to take steps of faith and walk in relationship with him? It's working. The author's got his pen on the page, and he's writing your story. So don't worry so much as, is this working? Worry about throwing off the things that weigh you down, and worry about keeping your eyes on him, and you'll look back from eternity and say, it worked, because the author knows what he's doing. Is this making sense? Um, you need to hear that. You need to hear that on the days where it feels like nothing. It's God, it's God in the middle of this. Just look at the past and know that that's your future. Look at how he's worked through the ages and generations and know that you're in that tapestry too. He's weaving you right in the place. What if I get wrong? Well, God's really good about making it right. You know what happens if you're like, oh, I got it wrong. Oh, I messed up. You know what you're doing? You're weighing yourself down. Cast it off. Get your eyes on Jesus and keep running. Your part matters. Your obedience matters. I heard it said this way, and I was corning someone with this, is this. You're not nothing. You're not nothing. You're not everything in the story of God. But you're something, and your something matters. Doesn't that put it in the best perspective? Because we're tempted on either side. Oh, I'm a nothing. I'm nobody. And then there are people who are like, I'm everything. It's my world. No, it's not. Um, you're, you're not everything, but you're something. And you're something in the plan of God. Jesus at the center. 
And the center of, of all that's going on in our world, even if, if shaking comes, and I know people are worried, oh, what's going to happen, you know, like, um, you know, with our government and elections, and um, what if they start making mandates again? You know what? There's a lamb on the center of the throne. There's a lamb on the center of the throne. You know you need to get central in all of it? Jesus. Keep Jesus in the center of it all. Oh, I'm worried. Throw that off. That's just a weight you don't need. What if this happens? Throw that off. That's a weight you don't need. Put your eyes on Jesus. Let him write his story in you. Walk faithfully. Keep the one thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Because that, that, that thing I just quoted is from Revelation. is where, where John, the apostle, is seeing the cataclysmic events coming that will come upon the earth in the end days before Jesus returns. And it looks, it's going to look a little crazy. But the one thing God wants to make sure John sees at the center of all the crazy, there's a lamb on the throne. In fact, he's in the center of the throne. You know what you need to know, John, before all the crazy happens? There's one who's in charge. And he's the one that saved your soul. And he will see this story to completion, and the end will be good. That's true for, you need to take that to heart for your life. You need to take that to heart for your week, for your month, for your year, but for your whole life, and for your family's life. Jesus is on the throne. He's working for your good, and the end of the matter will be good. Keep your eyes on him. Why? Because he's the one, we just read all this. I'm just expounding everything we're doing. He's the one who endured if you remember that the one on the throne, the one in control, was the lamb slain, that matters. What does it mean that he was slain? It means he was punished. He was crucified. He was put upon a cross. That's why we remind ourselves often, it's in the building, that he endured. He went through all of that. Why? To work salvation for us. And when we remember and remind and call ourselves to it, not just like, oh, I, I know that. I gave my life to Jesus. Recall to our mind often what he, done, he has done and who he is to us. His perseverance gives us strength to persevere because he's on the inside. Jesus, I'm not going to have to go through that. But whatever I'm going through, if you did that, you can do this in me. Whatever I'm facing, you did that, you can work this in me. And I, put, I can cast off the weight of getting through it on my own. I don't have to do this on my own. I can't figure this out on my own. I don't have all the answers on my own. Um, does anybody else ever feel like that, or is it just me? I don't have the answers. I can't figure it out. Maybe it's just me, but that's a really good place to be. And if you think you have the answers, and you feel really weighed down, maybe you need to try the, I don't have all the answers posture, and know that Jesus does. Know that you can persevere, because he is with you, He's in you, but he's also in the center of the throne in control of all that's happening on the planet. He's never nervous. He's never worried. He's never jumping off the throne like, I got to fix this. No, he's sitting in the center of the throne because he's got it all in control. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows what's happening right now. And knows, he knows how he's getting us to the end. Have you read the end, by the way? It's really good. Do you know that's where we're going? Do you, no, do you really know that this, that's what's going to happen? Is that Jesus is going to come back? He's going to make all the wrong things right forever? And if you're a believer, you're going to be there too? Do you know that? I don't, I don't believe you. Do you know that? You know why I'm asking the question? Because we get so hung up on so many things. Oh, no! I mean, and I'm not belittling your, you know, concerns. But if you know the end of the story, 
you know whatever the oh no is, is not the end. Okay? Oh no! But I know the end. I know he'll get me there. I know we'll be there together. That should give us a lot of hope. When you consider him, the beauty, the majesty, the love he has, the goodness he has, as well as his suffering, his provision, his atonement, his finished work, you won't grow weary. You won't lose heart. In fact, you'll endure. That's where we should pick up the text. Now I'm pretty much going to read the rest of it because we're, we're running out of sound. <laughs> Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. That's good news, isn't it? For what children are not disciplined by their father? Verse 8. If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, verse 9, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, and they probably weren't perfect, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Oh man, this is so good. Verse 14, you can Yeah, did you guys all hear? Jim, I'll, let me, re, let me re-say. Uh, he said uh, that part about being trained by it, being trained by our hardship, that whole paragraph we just read, is so important because many times we want to pray to get out of it, but not understanding that God has something to teach us through, I was going to say many of our difficulties, all of them. He wastes nothing, uses it all for our good. Thank you, Jim. Verse 14, make every effort then to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he cannot change what he had done. Verse 18. So I'm going to just read through most of this. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched 
and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. Now he's talking about what happened with Moses and the Israelites. God came down on the mountain, and it looked just like that. To a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged to, that no further word be spoken to him because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear because he had to go up the mountain. We're not coming to that. He says this, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion, it's a term of the heavenly kingdom, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Did you know that's where we are? That's the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all, into the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We're rounding it out here, verse 25. So see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he promised, remember I mentioned shakings, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate that the removing, the shaking is to remove what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, just wrap it up on this last verse. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I'll just say a couple things on this last verse and then wrap us up. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that's what the shaking does is it prepares the way for more of God's kingdom to come. We want that. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. This is what I love about this, what it says. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's we. It's you and me. We are receiving. And you know what? That's present tense. It's not just about a day to come. We are currently in the process. Your little life, my little life, and the big things going on in the world. You know what's happening in, in all of that? We're receiving the kingdom of God. What's it all about? God's kingdom coming, Jesus returning, the restoration of all things, the wrong things. That's what we're in the process right now, present tense of receiving. I see the hand. Hold on a sec. <laughs> Since so it's you and me together receiving present tense, the kingdom of God, as we run our race, we keep our eyes on Jesus. What? Yes. I'll repeat for those that didn't hear. Our sister Jade has been studying psychology, and so one of the the ways to respond in fearful situations is to choose to be grateful, and it gives you peace. And here it is, truth in the Bible: when things are being shaken, be thankful. And that was the next thing I wanted to share: is that how do we respond? Things are shaken. Well, we should we should. Well, there's a lot of things people will tell you you should do. That's all I'm going to say. 
<laughs> Things are being shaken. God's, God's doing stuff, and bad stuff's happening, and good stuff's happening, and I, I, should, I should prepare. I should something, and you should prepare. But what does the Bible say the most important thing to do? It almost doesn't make sense. Be thankful and worship God with reverence and awe. Yeah, be thankful. Why? Because we are in the process of receiving the glorious promise we're all longing for. We're in the process of receiving everything God ever said he would do. We're in the process of every bad thing becoming good. We're in the process of every unanswered prayer getting answered. You get it? So in the process, we can say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it says, be thankful. Not just today, not just once a year. Be continually, consistently, unswervingly, nonstop thankful. That's good news. And you know what else is really good news about that? Anyone can do it. <laughs> uh, anyone can be thankful. Anyone can choose to thank God and to do it persistently, continually, unswervingly. The littlest child, the oldest person, the smartest person, the simplest person, and everyone in between, that includes all of us, all y'all, all y'all. We can, we can be thankful. And, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's one of our greatest weapons in the midst of every storm we face to be grateful. Second only to worship God with reverential awe because he's so much bigger, so much greater, so much more powerful than we could even imagine. He's not just bobblehead Jesus. He's not homeboy Jesus. He's an all-consuming fire. Therefore, we worship him with reverential awe. I really wanted to pause more, make more time for some of you to pop in because I bet you had some cool thoughts. Write them down, share them with your friends, share them with your family, talk to Jesus about them. Um, but we are over and out. Let's stand together. I know we're all in different places today, um, and I don't even know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know the one who does. He knows right where you are. He knows just what you need. Um, more than anything, we just need to center Jesus. Whatever troubles you today, whatever concerns you about the world we're living in, center Jesus. So we're going to take a moment and pray. Just take a moment to cast all of our burdens off and set our eyes on him. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we stand in your presence today. You're here in this room. You're among us. You're in the heart of every believer in this place. And we set our eyes on you again. We remember all you've done to save us, all the ways you've touched our lives, all the ways you've moved in us, all the ways you've come through uh, in times when we needed you, in times when we asked you, in times we didn't ask you have been faithful, you are good, and you are God. And so we take this moment right now to set our eyes on you and to acknowledge you. And I just want to give an opportunity right here as we're before the Lord, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. And, and maybe you're here and you 
if you were point blank face to face with Jesus, you would, you would have to admit, I have not had my eyes on him. I have not been following Jesus. I have not let Jesus be the Lord and leader of my life. And, but you can do that today. You can surrender today. You can set your eyes and your life on him. You can bow before him today for the first time or the 51st time. And if you're in the room and you need to do that, you need to recenter your life. You need to bow your life before the Lord of all, and you'd like to do that right here today. Could you just raise your hand for me? Because I want to pray for you, pray with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me keep them right up, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, I thank you for these ones that you're drawing to yourself. Right now, I pray that they would feel your cords of loving kindness drawing them to you. Lord, we lay down every burden of sin and the weights that have entangled us, and we choose to put you at the center of our life. Would you just tell the Lord right where you are? Jesus, I put you at the center, and I throw all these things off, the sin, the weights, the distraction, the ways I've straight. I set my eyes on you afresh. I bow my life before you today. And I guarantee you right now, the Holy Spirit is coming in with a rush of his presence and peace for you. Now for everyone else in the room included, I just want you to even just like prophetically, figuratively, whatever is weighing on you, would you just pretend you're taking that off of you and laying it before the throne of God? We just release ourselves from the weights that have been upon us, our worries about our future, our finances, our families, um, the stress of this world, the news headlines. We lay them at the feet of Jesus. Would you just take them all off and lay them before him right now? And Jesus... We give it all to you. We give ourselves to you. Actually, we need to say that together. We need to declare that together. Would you just repeat after me? Jesus, we give it all to you. We give ourselves to you. We trust you. We love you. And we thank you. Amen. Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you for your good work. We thank you for the way you're authoring the story from beginning to end. We thank you that you put us in your glorious story and that you're with us. Lord, I bless your people today. I want to speak our normal blessing here. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. Amen. All right, we're going to wrap up. The prayer team will be over here on this side of the room, my left, your right. If you have any need for prayer today, if you have a, a healing need or a need for breakthrough in any of your life, we would love to join with you. So you come right on up. Someone will join with you in prayer, and God will be on the move. I believe we have refreshments. I believe we even have birthday cakes to celebrate our birthdays for the month of August.